you believe he's in this place, would you just lift your heart, your hands, and your voice, and let's love him right now. Lord, I love you today. I love you today. Lord, you're amazing. You're wonderful today, God. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for your very presence today. Lord, I thank you that all things are possible unto them that but believe today, God. God, I believe you today. I believe you today, God. <coughs> today we're going to do things just a little bit different. Is that okay? I love it when we come to church and you never know what's going to happen next. I don't want to ever get in a routine. We're living for God. Oh, we got it figured out. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. No, we're not going to do that. But what we want to do today, we're going to test your stamina. Just kidding. Just kidding. I had some of you going for a while there. But we are going to have two speakers this morning. So there'll be two different preachers this morning. And we just want the Lord to work and to move and to minister and give us the opportunity. You hear me say often that the church is a hospital. And people need to go to the emergency room because there's something going on in their life that they feel could, could be very, very dangerous. And so they, they go to the hospital to get help. People come to the house of God to get help. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it's spiritual. I need God. I've not been baptized, not filled with the Holy Ghost. I, there's things I need in my life. And so we understand that this is why we're here today. Because we have need. We're not here today simply to worship the Lord, though that is a part of it. But I have a need. I need God to touch my life. I need God to give me direction. I, I need to know, Lord, what do you got for my life? And, and what are you expecting of me? And what are you asking of me? And so when I come today, there's a variety of reasons that brings me to this place. But the bottom line is I need him more than I need anything else in this world. I need him. Brother Matt Mays, would you come? And we're going to let Brother Matt preach. And, and then Brother Flowers will follow after that. Thank you, church. Thank you. Let's not leave this for a bit. Can we just meditate on the Lord for a little bit? Let's just let's keep this worship flow going. You don't want to lose this. This is something you never want to lose. That presence, that feeling, that touch from God. You don't ever want to lose that. Let's just let's just close our eyes right now and let's just give him some thanks and let him operate as he wishes. In the name of Jesus, right now, God. We come before you. Don't be afraid to let it out. Come on. Work with me here. Work with me here. Why don't you clap your hands and give God some praise? Why don't you let him know I'm thankful you're here, God. I'm thankful you showed up. I'm thankful you saw me in my trial, in my situation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Such a beautiful presence of God. Already, I think it's been happening all week. We had music practice yesterday, and it was just like regular church, I felt. That's what it's about, people. That's what, that's what this is about. I don't ever want to lose that, that feeling. You know, Tuesday night Bible study here, as I'm telling you, people, you got to show up. There's been some healings taking place. I'm not just... 
I'm not tugging your tail. I'm not yanking your chain here. I'm being honest. You can ask the people that show up in just a simple prayer. That's all we're doing. We're not, we're not getting the chords and the musicians out. We're just worshiping. Can we just do that, church? Can we just invite the presence of God here and just let Him work and move of His desires in your heart? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I feel His presence, man. It's just jerking. I, it's just jerking. Why, just talk to Him. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to be used as a vessel. There's something you walked in here with. Please just talk to Him about it. Hallelujah. I'm not going to take up too much of your time. Um, I'm thankful for uh, Brother Flowers and Pastor John Stone for giving me the opportunity here. Uh, For those of you who want to be in ministry, the biggest saying is you always have to be ready. You always have to be ready. So thankful for this opportunity. I'm not going to take too much of your time, but uh, you may be seated. I want to wear your legs out. just dealing with what God has been talking to me about the uh, these past couple of weeks, um, dealing with who he is and not necessarily just what he does, but how he operates in a situation that's uncomprehendable to us human beings, that it's contrary to our to our thought process. It's contrary, contrary to our perception, per se, of how. He wants things to plan out. And um, if I can just take you to a piece of scripture. I've been a lot dealing with Genesis and Exodus. I'm in Exodus right now, but I'm going to go back a little bit. Okay, We're going to go to Exodus chapter 1, verses 7 through 12. And this is something that he's just been dealing with me with. I don't know who I might be talking to today or who needs to hear this, but... I pray that you receive whatever the Lord is wanting you to receive from him. Exodus chapter 1, verses 7 and 12. Verse 7 reads, And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mightily. And the land was filled with them. What we're dealing in this particular uh, passage of scripture, or if I could just give you a little background, um, we're just, Joseph just passed away, right? Joseph was Jacob's son. Uh, when Joseph passed away at the beginning of chapter one in the book of Exodus, that generation has died, okay? But they had, the Israelites were still there, okay? They had many more other than just the generation where Joseph came from. And so we know that in this particular piece of or passage of Scripture that they were in the land of Egypt, right? That's where Joseph was taken. He was traded for his, his brothers traded him, sold him to the Egyptians. And it's funny how God works, ain't it? He became second in command, and he ran the show. Uh, but it didn't just stop there. That, that, that wasn't just something that God was working and left it alone. He had to pick it up in a different place and continue this. Okay? So we're dealing with uh, what happened now that Joseph is gone. Who's left? And so we read that 
now that the old Egyptian king is gone, he has soon passed away. There is a new king that came into power. All right, and he didn't like the fact that the Israelites or the people of Israel were growing. He didn't like that fact. That didn't sit well to him. We can read the next verse. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. He didn't know Joseph. He didn't have the opportunity to meet him and to see the hand of God move in Joseph's life. But I guarantee you, if he did, this would have been a different story. And he said, verse 9, And he said unto his people, Behold, the the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we are. Next verse. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. So get them up out of the land. He's worried now, saying, I don't think this is a good idea that we have them here. This isn't comfortable, because if they find the right enemy, I think we're done. Only if he knew who their God was. Verse 11, therefore, they did set over them taskmakers to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Phethon. And Ramses, okay. They turned them into slaves. They gave them the hard manual labor jobs. You're going to build cities. You're going to work hard. You're going to do what I don't want to do. Because why? He was afraid. He was afraid. Verse 12, this is what I want, this is what I want you to get. But the more they afflicted them, the more jobs I gave you, the more persecution I gave you, the more times I told you off, the more times that I've written you off, the more times that I made your life harder than it needs to be simply because I'm jealous of where you're going instead of where I'm going. I'm jealous of who you are And what you're doing because you're multiplying and growing and this ain't even your land. You don't belong here. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make your life hell. Something sound a little bit familiar? I sure hope not. The more they multiply. the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because the children of Israel. I like how the New Living Translation puts it. It says, the more they oppressed them. The more they oppressed them. You know, the sad thing is, is I don't think the Egyptian king likes the rest of this book. I don't think he does for some reason. I urge you, please read your word. Okay? I urge you. But this is what God has been dealing with me on, and this particular sermon is not complete, so bear with me. Um, I'm not going to take up too much of your time. I'm trying to be courteous. Um, But what he's been dealing with me is, 
Don't lose the God in you. Don't lose the God in you. Tuesday nights, we've been talking about walking in the spirit and, and things that you're able to accomplish in God because when you allow it to flow, there's things that people see that either they want or they want to take it from you. In this case, because Israel was multiplying and they were growing and they were getting to the place where they were too strong, somebody didn't like that. And what I'm saying is not nothing new, it's not nothing different. But just because you came here and believe in God does not mean that there's anything wrong with you. And just because people want to say that what you're doing is wrong and you're absolutely crazy, it's okay to walk with God. And no, it may not look all right, but the more you oppress me, the greater I'm going to grow. Please, please beware. Please beware. Before Joseph left, he told his brothers or he told his children, when he was dying, he said, there's going to come someone in your seed that's going to pull these people out of here. Nobody knew who it was. Because at the time, the Egyptian king ordered every Hebrew boy to be born, to be uh, killed at birth. But uh, some of the women didn't like that, and they snuck one in the river. And it just so happens that the Pharaoh's daughter got a son. I love God. Because the one that wanted it to end, he had it right under his nose. <laughs> the one that gives you the most terrible time and gives you the most trouble and tells you the most hurtful things is the one that's going to come knocking on your door and say, can you please pray for me? Don't you ever lose the God in you. Don't you ever lose what he's done for you. Don't you ever forget the man that stood the test of time and stood there and took what belonged to you. Contrary to the way we work and operate, contrary to the way we perceive things, that the way we believe life should go. If Israel, see, if they had the wrong group of people in there, which they probably did, they would have said, hey, we need to, this could be our kingdom if we wanted it to be. I mean, really, if we just team up, go grab some forks and shovels and, you know, we can make some wood shields, we might have a, we might have a fight here. That's not how God operated. I'm going to get you out. I'm going to get you out. Too many times we as people love to, she's, and this is what I like when we're talking about Tuesday night Bible studies and what the Holy Ghost pulls you away from. You're dealing with people that you want to give them all your wrath. And based off your better judgment, they probably deserve it. They deserve every word, every fist, every knee. You know how it used to be. Come on. Get all sanctified on me now. And you had everything within you that you just said, you know, I'm, okay, it's not Sunday. Right? But there's just that, it's just that Holy Ghost inside of you that grabs those reins and say, wait a minute, hold on. It ain't even worth it. I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm just trying to just move here, okay? I'm not taking too much time. But it's contrary to the way that we think. Oppression did not mean defeat. Oppression meant multiplication. 
The hard time gave us the experience to deal with people that we don't want to deal with. But because we have the Holy Ghost, I can do it. We can make it work. I can move on. I can be happy with myself. Because too many times in the oppression, in the oppression stage, you believe the lies of the devil that tell you that you can't, you won't, and you will never be. How many years that they were in captivity in Egypt, don't you think they ever thought, we're not going anywhere? We might as well set up camp here and stay. That's it. Who's going to do it? Who? You going to go? No. What about you? No. For what? But it was something, can I just say this? What people see you do, they can do it in excess. What they watch you do, what, they, what, what, what they're looking at you in the certain situations and what you've been in, they can look at you and say, huh, I can't believe he did that. I honestly believe Joseph left a print on how to deal with the Egyptians. I honestly believe that. If I can take you to another passage in Scripture, I'm trying to hurry. Matthew chapter 5. I believe it's verses 43 and 40 through 45. And it says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, and what? Hate thine enemy. Now, that's just kind of how we operate as people, right? You don't like me. Well, I don't like you. If you hit me, <laughs> I'm going to hit you. That's how we operate. I, I mean, th- there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to that type of thinking. But next verse, please. But here's what God, God said. But I, imagine this is in red letters, right? So the Lord is talking here. But I say unto you, love your enemies. What? Love who? No, 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 no. You know where I come from? No, no, no. He come from the other side of the block. Yeah. His uh, flannel and his little handkerchief out there, that's different colors than mine. I will never be friends with that man. I hope I don't get too real today. I'm just speaking what's happening out there. A lot of us have friends. A lot of us came from that lifestyle and know, oh, no. Him? Nuh-uh. I'll never. He could quote scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation with his eyes closed. And I still wouldn't be his friend. But God said, no, no, no. You need to love that man. He grabbed that rein and he said, wait, 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 wait. Wait a minute now. Let's catch the rest of this verse. Bless them that curse you. Come on, man. Do good to them that hate you. You got to be kidding me. Really? And pray for them. Oh, whoa, no, 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 no. No, come on. Which despitefully use you uh, and persecute you. You want me to what? But why? 
I, I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm not trying to call anybody out, okay? But we're dealing with something that we as people don't know how to operate, walking in the Spirit and dealing with somebody that we don't want to deal with. Pray for them. Bless them. Love them. You got it. What? You know what their family did to my family back in the day? I think I hit home too close. Next verse. That ye may be the what? Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I have to do what? To be what? To be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh, catch this, he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends his rain, right? Sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So you're telling me that I have to operate in a certain way to be your child? You're telling me there has to be something about me that sends a significant message? To somebody else that says, oh, wait, there's something different. They belong to somewhere else. See, I see a, a, every, on, on a, a lot of Sundays, you know, and I'm not trying to, you know, bash anybody here. But when it comes time for the football game, everybody throws their jersey on, have absolutely no problem repping their team, um, even if they're doing terrible. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke it. Amen. You have no problem repping that jersey. You got the beanie on. Ooh, man, you're ready to go talking smack all day. But sometimes when we're walking that road, people forget that, uh, don't you go to church? For he maketh the sun... To rise on the evil and on the good and on the just and the unjust. I'm, I'm almost, I'm going to close here. I'm getting ready. Um, when, and, and I urge you to please listen to other preachers and listen to men of God that study the word and know this. Because every time I read this piece of scripture, Pastor, I always thought he was talking about the good and the evil people, the just and the unjust people. But when I looked at it from a different perspective, he's not talking about the people. He's talking about himself. The Lord is talking about himself. He sendeth his son. His reign. It doesn't matter what kind of day I'm having. The sun could be shining and the rain could be falling. But I need to trust in the Lord. And he needs to guide my ways. Because too many problems that we face is we give the outside person, the outside exterior conflict, we give them the control to our climate. You dictate my mood. You dictate the way I feel. You make me happy. If you're happy, I'm happy. If you're mad, you're going to bring that mad on me. And too many times we give people the power over us that it was never supposed to be given in them. You See, what people got to understand, I don't trust nobody with my feelings. I can't even trust myself. So what makes you think I'm going to trust you? How can I put my happiness on someone that is bound to fail? 
I don't trust anybody with my thermostat, Pastor. I, I don't. I don't because people are going to fail me. They're going to let me down. They're going to forget. They're going to walk away. They're going to say no and they're not going to like it. Right? But I, I can put it in the hands of God and let Him control the way I want, the way that He needs me to be so that my mood alters the environment that the Holy Ghost can move in somebody's life, including mine. Too many times we hand it over. My happiness doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. You guys ever get tired of arguing all the time with the same person about the same thing about every day? I think it loses its humor after a while. I, I mean, that's just me. Sometimes I'm like, why even bother? Fine. We're not going to get anywhere. We're not finding a solution. See, it sounds like anger management class. <laughs> We're not getting anywhere. I'm going to take you to one, to this last verse, and i got to close. Psalm 71, uh, verses 2, 13, and 14. I'm going to close with this verse. Don't let anybody, this world, the fads of this world, the trends of this world, people of this world, you can't let them dictate the way you want to be. He sends his son whether you live for God or not. His reign's going to fall whether you're just or unjust. But you've got to realize the difference there. What separates you from that? You're going to receive the same thing. They're going to throw that rain in your face. They're going to try to knock down your son. But it doesn't belong to you and it doesn't belong to them. It belongs to the Lord that you control. Deliver me in what? Whose? Oh. Not my, right? Thy. Because I want to give you, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, you deserve it. But I can't. And cause me to escape. Escape. Get out of that thing that's causing you not to want to walk with God. Because that's what they're... you ever think the people of Israel and Egypt said, I'm done with God? What about outside of Egypt when they already got delivered? What did they do? I'm done with God. Gave them manna, sent rain, fed them, provided for them. And yet, well, I don't know. This guy's still a little iffy. I don't know. Verse 12. Please. Oh God, be not far from me. Oh, my God, make... Oh, I believe it's 13 or 14. I'm sorry. Yeah, 13 or 14. Wrong one. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. You know, there's a thing that happens when you treat your enemies with respect. When you love them. Sometimes their head gets a little hot. They get the temperature starts to rise a little bit. They kind of feel it on the top of their head. I believe scripture puts it as hot coals on the top of their head. Joseph was a prisoner, turned to command. 
And yet, it seems that human nature going down the road, what we've turned into something that we know works, we've turned it into I just can't. I won't. I will never. You see where the Lord has to come in? You've told yourself, "Ah, okay, I'll calm down. There's some people that live and feed off drama. I like what it keeps on saying. Let them be covered with the reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. Next verse. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. You see how you get out of it? You don't get out of it by throwing fists. You get out of it by throwing prayer. There's a difference. Praise can alter a situation. Worship can alter a situation and yet turn on the inside and cleanse you. There's a lot of things I want to say to a lot of people. Trust me. I got a whole list. But it's burnt. Because what good is it going to do? We got to learn to walk in this. Don't ever lose that God in you. Don't ever lose that factor that says, no, no, no. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to walk down that road because I've been there and there's nothing good for me. I've said the things that I didn't, well, I shouldn't have said and I said them anyway. I did the things I shouldn't have done and I did them anyway. And, 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 and I put myself in a situation and yet I blamed others for where I was at instead of looking at me and saying, what can I change? Can the Holy Ghost inside of me alter? Too many people don't believe that. They've lost the God in them. My declaration to you is please don't ever lose the God in you. You treat people different. You walk different. You talk different. You give them a reason to say, wow. If I was like that, if I was in your shoes... That guy would have been dead. Trust me, I started a new job. Guys think they can boss me around. I, uh, yeah. Some of you are at home having problems, whether it be with your husband or wife, children, I don't know. Learn to take and let God pull the reins. Don't ever lose that God and you. Don't ever forget who you are in God and what he's called you to do. What he's called you to be. And don't forget about you, what you know that they're going to persecute you. He didn't say love them if they. Love them whenever they get around to. If they said something about you. If they. No, they're going to do it. Don't lose the God in you. Don't give them the benefit of the doubt. Stay pure. Stay in faith. But by all means, don't ever lose that God in you. Amen. Thank you, Brother Matthew. I'm going to give a plug in here. Um, He's mentioned a couple of the Tuesday nights. Um, the Lord has been doing some wonderful things here. 
on Tuesdays as well as Sundays, and I'm thankful for that. It's not because of any one particular person that's here except for the Lord. And I encourage all of us, whenever possible, to make the uh, make it a priority to be there for that because we just don't know what the Lord's going to do, but we know He continues to do things. It's the same reason why we're here today, honestly. Amen. And if you didn't know this, there are uh, our, our services are being recorded and they're being made available on iTunes. So, Brother Timothy, why don't you stand up for a second? That's the one. You see his head floating back there. If you think, I'd like to listen to that, but I don't have a clue how to work one of these things, he's, he's the specialist, and he can get you plugged into that. It's, it, it, there's something to be said for just uh, allowing the Lord to speak to you, and when we when we break this holy huddle, that means when we all leave service um, and go our separate ways and do our own thing, uh, we don't have to disengage from anything that is taking place when we're here together. And and what we're really just doing with that um, podcast is just making another tool available to all of us to stay engaged and stay connected to the things the Lord's doing and saying here. You know, the, the Scripture says that, that one verse says, for as many as are led by His Spirit, they are the sons of God. Uh, throughout Scripture, we see um, terms such as children, child of God, son of God. Um, that is... Our relation to him, he's our heavenly father. And each one of us individually, we are children of God. But you know, it's interesting. There's also this term out there called the bride of Christ. What's interesting about that is the bride of Christ is not any one person. It's the church. It's the body. All of us together. When, when we are here together, we bring in that element with us, whether you knew it or not. That's why it's important for you to be here. That's why it's important for each of us to, to be here. I mean, the Scripture says that we are supposed to continue assembling, gathering together, but not just so that we can say, I, I go to church over there in Life Church in Union Gap. Where do you? Oh, that's good. No, the reason why we gather together is because together collectively we bring in an element, a spiritual element that I and you cannot attain individually. I can try as hard as I want. I can go fast from now till next Sunday and try my best to to call in this same element, the same environment, an atmosphere that that manifests itself when the bride of Christ comes together. And I just can't do it because on my own, I'm just a child of God. So it's important that we continue together 
to become and, and, and strive to be and manifest the bride of Christ. Would you just pray right there where you're seated for a moment? Lord, we're thankful for your presence that's here. We're thankful, God, that you would choose to meet with us. We are your children, Father. We are your loving children, God, and we just want to fellowship with you. We just want to be in your presence. We just want to be in your presence, God. We want to hear your voice and know your voice. In the name of Jesus, I was thinking today about um, the, and the last couple of days about the story of Samson, and most of us know parts of that story. Um, we know he was the really strong guy, and together we probably have heard the term Samson and Delilah. So that's kind of, some people, if you don't have a great understanding, those are the two dynamics that you're kind of at least somewhat familiar. The strongest man. That's what your, your, my sons always want to know. How strong was he? Could he do that? You think he could pick up a car? Do you think? And, that, you know, that's kind of the, the, the overview that we get sometimes of his story. But his story actually begins by saying the children of Israel, this same group that we've already been talking about in the book of Exodus, it's in, in the book of Judges, it says the children of Israel turned away from the Lord and that he gave them over to the Philistines for a span of 40 years. You want to know the very worst, uh, uh, what I'm seeing in Scripture, the very worst thing that the Lord can do to any of us is just simply remove himself from our situation. You want to? We think all oh, the trials. Man, he could, He's going to make me. He's going to make me sick, or he's going to make me lose my loved one, or he's going to cause my car to break down. The Lord can get your attention in any matter of ways, but you know what? I would rather him be dealing with me than him to just remove himself from me and say, you've proven by your actions in your life that you want to go that direction, and I've been trying to pull you this way. You know what? I'm just going to end up letting you go that direction. Now you want to talk about problems. Now you want to talk about trials. Because once you get that far down that direction, as soon as the car breaks down, as soon as the sickness hits or whatever it is, who are you going to turn to? What are you? I mean, we can try and we'll repent and we'll go back. And how far back down this way do I have to go till I get back and where I'm good with him and he'll help me out again? But in this, in this uh, passage with the story of Samson, it says that the Lord had given the children of Israel over to the Philistines for the span of 40 years. And in that span, and, and that's more or less, it's a little more, I guess you could say, than what we would call a generation. But just like in, in the passage that, that Brother Matthew read where it says there, there was a king that knew not Joseph, it's because enough time had passed for a generation 
to a new generation that didn't have and know and experience all the things of the previous. So in this, uh, in the story of Samson, they are given over to the Philistines and there is no savior present for the children of Israel. There is, we're just at the hand of the Philistines, whatever they want to do to us, however mean and cruel they want to be to us. That's just what's taking place. But, and then the Lord says, I'm going to raise up someone who is going to be the person that I use, the instrument that I use to remove the children of Israel from out underneath the Philistines. That's Samson. His story starts with an angel showing up to his mother and saying, Lo, that's one of those angel words. Lo, thou art barren. Lo, hello, I am a man. You've never seen me before. And I am just going to start by introducing Myself to you as hello, woman who cannot have children. Whoa, hang on. That got pretty heavy really fast, didn't it? Thou art barren, and thou bearest not, but you will. You are going to have a child. And here's some instructions for you. He's going to be, here's the term that he uses, a Nazarite from the womb. And now I was actually thinking about this uh, in another context. Those of us that are parents, if you're a parent, why don't you raise your hand? Most all of us in the room. Did you know you have a God-given responsibility For the spiritual upbringing of your children. It's in the scripture. How could an angel show up to a woman who has never had children and say, you need to change your diet right now? Serious, that's what it said. The child is going to be the Nazarite, the one with this vow. The, just a little bit of backstory. There was a thing called a Nazarene vow that people would take to say, it's kind of like, it's like an extreme fast. They, they would do that. They would, they would shave off all their hair. They wouldn't eat for a long time. They would, they would basically say, I'm separating myself from everything except God. And, nothing, and, and it's written in there, it's in the scripture, all these rules that you would follow. Now, the Lord had predetermined the person that I'm going to use to take my people out from underneath the bondage that they are under is going to be a person of separation, a person of holiness, a person that is distinct, not like any of those others of also, they are my people, the children of Israel. They're all mine. But I want a special one to do my work. So, Mom, this is a little biology lesson for you here. Because life is going to start inside of you and what you eat and what you drink 
that little baby is going to be eating and drinking. In, the, in, the, in just the tiniest bits, microscopic bits of portion, what you're intaking is going to go through the tube and into that baby. And right now, I don't want him to have anything that comes off of a vine. I don't want him to taste anything that would cause him to break that vow. She says, oh, okay, that's pretty, uh, that's an intense, I wasn't expecting, this is a Tuesday, right? What are we doing here? Oh, we're going to start this really serious life-changing thing. And she goes to her husband, you won't believe what this strange man that I've never seen said today. She shares this interaction with him. And he, together they pray, Lord, if this was from you, let this guy come back and, and maybe just hash these details out again because maybe she didn't even catch the whole diet plan. I don't know. It sounds pretty strict. So they're saying, we want to do this if this is from you, Lord, but we're asking you to just confirm this. And sure enough, she sees him again. She says, hang on, stay right here. Don't go anywhere. She runs and gets her husband, comes back. He says, hey, buddy, I heard you've been talking to my wife. That's that's supposed to be a comical reprieve right there. But he says, are you the one that was talking and telling us? Yes, that was me. And uh, so will you tell us again what we're supposed to? Well, she already said, and I know she, what I told her is still the thing. Don't eat this. Don't drink this. And follow these rules because she's going to have a child. That child is going to be a Nazareth, is going to fulfill the Nazarite vow from the womb. And... Their faith is starting to rise. They're believing in this. Remember, they had just prayed, God, if this is you, let that guy show back up. And he does, and they see this. And what they do, so this is just kind of a custom that they're going to do. They say, we're going to fix you something to eat. And he says, no. But you can if you'd like to, if you just feel the need to cook or sacrifice, do so unto the Lord. He, they go and they get the, the kid, they call it, the, the goat for this sacrifice, begin that process. And there's a reason why this angel said, you can do it this way and do it unto the Lord. Because as they do so, now this is where it, gets, it, this is where it goes from crazy to just far out. It's in the scripture, I promise you. It's in Judges. Look it up. When the, when the fire is going, and it's a sacrifice up to the Lord, it says the, uh, Samson's parents see this man perform wondrously. It means he's, he, he, done, he did something out of the ordinary. What he did was he changed from the, the, the form of a man that we're seeing and talking to into... He somehow joined himself into that fire and went straight up into heaven. That's what happened. And now it's just mom and dad sitting there like, did you see what I just saw? It wasn't, we're not going crazy. He said these things and then he, right? Yeah, that's what happened. So then we know that they go and they have Samson. She is fulfilling this, her part of the vow and, 
Now think again further along this parenting mindset for just a minute. Because now that it says Samson is starting to grow. Oh man, this long hair, dad. I just, when can I get a haircut? I took my son to get a haircut yesterday. Maybe this is why it's going on in my head. But, oh well, son. I know you've heard this story before. But before you were born, a guy showed up to your mother and then to both of us and told us, you are going to perform this vow. We're not going to cut your hair. We're not, that's why we don't let you drink grape juice. Anything that comes from the vine. Because this is who you are. My Lord, can you imagine if you had to raise a child in 2019 and 2020 and say, you are special to the Lord. Every, I know every other kid is doing this. I know the children at school go and do this, and they probably talk about this, and they partake in these things, but you are chosen of God. Now, time out. That's a conversation that each one of us needs to be having with our children. Now, just because my boys don't have super long hair, and, uh, you know, I'm not saying pump iron so you can get to the same. No, but because we have the word of God and it, it tells us train up a child in the way they should go. These are the kinds of conversations we should be having regularly. We don't talk like them. We don't look and, and act and dress and all the things that they do and promote. That's not us. I'm getting off subject here. I apologize. So Samson, as he's growing and fulfilling this vow, here's the thing that I want to point out to you. You know about Samson and Delilah, most of us. The way that Samson's story ends with the, with the cutting of the hair and he's, he's chained up and they, they want to know, how do you get your power? Where does this strength come from? And we know this. He, he tells them this story. Well, you got to tie my hands with a certain kind of rope. They try it. Nope, doesn't work. And two or three times through that process, and Delilah, his weakness, in case you didn't see that coming, I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. Delilah, his weakness, goes to him and tells him, why do you hate me? Why won't you tell me? I'm not special to you. Hmm. You're keeping this from me. And he finally tells her. And we know, and he says, well, really, what it is about me that's special is my hair has not been cut since the day I was born. From the womb, I've fulfilled the vow of a Nazarite. Oh, okay then. Well, falls asleep and wakes up with a haircut and a lot less strength, and you know the rest of that story. What I want to do is I want to, I want to go back just a little bit to the first encounter of such. Because in case you didn't know this, Brother Samson had a pattern of this type of behavior. We see it first as he grows older, and he, he decides he wants to get married. It says he goes and he chooses a woman. Tamrite woman, I think is what it calls it. 
And he tells his parents, that's who I want to marry. I want her to be my wife. Well, Samson, I mean, why can't you? If it was me, I'd have to go back over the notes. Where in here did the angel tell us about who he's supposed to marry? Or where does this vow say anything? And apparently, to my knowledge, it's not in there. And it even says it, the mom and dad didn't know that the Lord was working to this end, allowing Samson to pursue a Philistine woman. But suffice it to say, they didn't want him to, but he did anyways. Oh boy, that's a whole can of worms for a different day. Child disobeying what the parents want him to do. But so, so he goes and, and he joins himself to, the, to this woman, the Tamrite woman. She's a Philistine. And in this first setting, it says uh, while he's on his way there, if you know this, I apologize, we're going through this just a little bit. But on his way to meet her, he sees a lion. It says a lion actually tries to attack him. Bam, he tears that thing to shreds. No problem, because the Spirit of the Lord came on him mightily, and boom, just a dead lion. No big deal. I'm still head meter. And then he goes back and forth this, this way a little bit, and the next time he's traveling back through there, he sees the carcass of the lion, and inside the lion, he sees honey and bees. And he, he eats it. Good stuff. Takes some to his mom and dad. It says he he doesn't even tell them where it came from. Just, hey, I got some honey on my way here. They eat it. But that little uh, situation, in his mind, becomes a riddle that he can use. It says he goes and he meets meets this woman, his his wife, and it says 30 of, of people. Companions is the, the term that the King James uses. But so basically this group of Philistines comes around uh, Samson and, and his family and his wife, and they say, Samson, man, you're so cool. You're so strong. Man, you're awesome. What, what's, so, what's so good and special about you? What is it that makes you who you are? Well, see if you can answer this riddle. And if you can answer this riddle, I'll share with you some things. Seven days. I'll give you seven days to answer this. Out of the eater comes that which is sweet. Something I'm, I'm butchering. It. I'm trying not to take the time to read through all this. But so that's the riddle that he gives them. And, and they don't know it. They, three days pass. Four days pass. Man, we don't know what's going on here. And... and, and Really, what this is, is a wager. I'm pretty sure. Oh, man, I didn't see that coming. This is blindsided. I'm just as blindsided as you right now. Fair, fair warning. I'm pretty sure somewhere in the Nazarene vow, the Nazarite vow, gambling and wagering is not a wise thing to do. Okay? Now, if, you, if we need to talk about that one more afterwards, come to me and we will. But so he, t- he tells these 30 people, hey, I'm going to bet you, you can't answer this. Oh, man, Samson. 
hanging out with those Philistines, I'll tell you what. I'm going to bet you, and, 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 and before you know it, three and four days have passed, seven days is coming up, and they don't know the answer. These, these Philistines go to his wife and say, you know, you're pretty close with him. Why don't you see if you can get him to tell us the answer? Because we're not going to get this, and we're going to owe him all these things that, that we're betting here. And she comes to Samson, his weakness. Samson, why don't you love me? What are you talking about? You won't tell me your secret. You won't give me the answer. Sound familiar? A, a man of God, a chosen vessel of God. Dare I say it, a holy individual still facing these trials still facing what we can firmly refer to as temptation. If that doesn't prove that nobody is exempt, I'm, I'm going to tell you what. I mean, there's some things from worldliness that the Lord has kept me from and I'm thankful for, but I can tell you what, I'm nowhere near keeping any kind of a holy vow from the, from the day I was born. But that guy did. He did. And he still faced with this thing. If you haven't caught this word yet, get used to hearing it more often. He's facing this thing called flesh. No, not Sam's, not, not the guy that had that miraculous, you know, uh, announcement of his birth and he's kept the vow and his mom and his dad and they've, they've prepared the way for, that guy couldn't be dealing with flesh. Was he human? Absolutely. Now, we're going to jump to the end. Why don't you stand with me? In the, in the, uh, the respect of time here, we're going to jump to the end. God chose Samson from, the, from before he was born to deliver God's people from outside of the, the Philistines, right? Did God still do that? He did. Did Samson make it a whole lot harder than it had to be? He did. What, what I'm saying with this, with this story I believe what the Lord is pointing out to us is. Brother Johnson, did we not talk about this on Tuesday night? In my flesh, there is no good thing. In my flesh, in your flesh, dwelleth no good thing. What's the point of the Nazarite vow then? To get as much flesh out as we can. I mean, if Samson made it to 20, 30, 40, 50 years old, however old, old he was, before he faced those trials, I'm going to give you a little heads up. He made it a lot further than I did. Because he was cutting flesh out. The Lord had specifically shown up and said, 
don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And we think, if I, if I can just get a list of rules, I'll be good. I just want to know what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do. Because we, in our humanity, dwindle down our walk in our relationship with God to that level. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Because the problem is, if we, gave, if we were given a list, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Then in our flesh, we would try to meet that. At that point, you're better off failing than you are succeeding. Sooner rather than later. Because the longer you go, hear me, the longer you go convincing yourself in your own mind that you got this under control, the worse damage you're doing to yourself in the long run. The sooner you realize, without you, Lord, I can do nothing, the better you are. We need to pray right now. This altar is open. I encourage you, get alone with the Lord. Let him deal with us about these things. Father, in my flesh, there is no good thing. In my flesh. Come on, respond to the Lord. He's here right now. He wants to speak to us. He wants to work on us.